Good morning, church family. It is good to be back with you today. As Allison said, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper in just a little bit near the end of our time together. And so if you don't have those elements, it would be great to go ahead and get those together because we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, his sacrifice uh, for our sins at the end of our time. And uh, so anyway, we're looking forward to that time. Somebody asked me, they said, why are you wearing what you're wearing today? I said, well, listen, it's the Omni next week. And there is a whole bunch of people that are signed up and going to the Omni, and we'll spend that time together next weekend. We'll celebrate it. We'll have our service down there, which will be live next Sunday morning. So if you're able to go, listen, we're, we'd love to be able to have you. I know that, that uh, the housing right now is pretty limited. We have booked them up pretty well for next weekend. Uh, but still, if you would like to go, you can call, and, and there may be a room or two that's available. But uh, if you can join us, please, please do so. I pray that you've had a good week this week, and um, I pray that it's been a productive week. We've been talking over the past several weeks, uh, walking through a series, talking about, you know, how, how do we make good decisions? Because the reality is that every day we're making decisions, and some of those decisions are not always just between right and wrong, but sometimes between better and best. And how we make those decisions Man, listen, sometimes down the line, we look back and go, why in the world did I do that? And so what we've been doing over the past several weeks is giving you some questions that are really good questions to ask. And these aren't just any questions, but these are questions that come specifically out of the theme of God's Word. And we talked about last week what Paul had said to Timothy in reference to God's Word. Listen, it tells us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. It, is, it gives us direction. Um, it gives us encouragement as well as provides for us accountability. And inside of the questions that we've been asking, I'm just remind you just really quickly, one of the first questions that we asked was, am I being truthful? And we went back to God's word and we looked and we, we saw where in the book of Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. And one of the things that you know, if you've lived long enough and you've been honest with yourself is, listen, Man, it is easy sometimes to make some really pretty dumb choices based on our feelings or what we're trying to do to impress other people. I mean, how many times have you purchased something that you didn't need to purchase, but, but you purchased it because of what the Joneses had or because of your next door neighbor? I mean, man, you went out and you, I just have to have this, but you knew it wasn't the wisest of things to do, but you did it anyway. So one of the first questions we started out with was, am I being Truthful. Then we followed that question up with the next question, with what kind of story do I want to one day tell? Because this is what I know. One day, if you look back, are you going to be satisfied with the choices that you made at that time? Right now, we're making choices that one day we're going to one day look back on. So the thought is, when we're out telling our story, which every one of us are writing pages in our books, the books of our life, one day we're going to look back and tell, are we going to be willing and ready to tell all the pieces and all the stories of our life because, I mean, if, if I'm honest, there's some things that I, as I look back on my life that I wouldn't be really honest about wanting to go back and, and refer to or to make note of. So what kind of story do you want to one day tell? And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, is there a stress that needs to be addressed? And we went back to the story of David and Saul when Saul was pursuing David and David was caught up trying to feel like, what do I do? I mean, he knew what he felt like he wanted to do. He knew what everybody else was telling him to do. And here he had the opportunity to take Saul's life, the king's life. And you remember we talked about David crept. And as he crept, he made a decision. He made a choice. And it wasn't what he felt 
It wasn't what everybody else was encouraging him to do, but he had to address a stress, a moral and an ethical issue that came to the surface. And David said, I'm not going to replace what God has put in place. God, I'm not going to take control. I'm not going to take back the reins, but I'm going to trust you in the middle of this. And then last week, we came back with the question, out of all the options that are available, which is the one that brings God the most glory? Because like we said just a little bit earlier, not every question, not every decision that we face is just about right and wrong, but sometimes it's between the issue of better and best. So I say all that to bring us to where we are today. And I don't know about you, but this is what I do know, that there are huge benefits to being a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, with eternity being one of those things. But let me say this right here. We don't have to wait to eternity to experience the benefits of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But even though Christianity has its benefits, this is what I want you to know, that somewhere along the journey, if you're a believer long enough, if, if somewhere along the journey, if you follow Jesus and you're faithful long enough, this is what I want you to understand, that as a follower of Christ, it's going to cost you. If you follow Jesus long enough, it's going to cost you. And you, some of you, some of you listening to where I am and some of you listening to my voice today that are out there, maybe in a vehicle or maybe you're in a house or, you know, maybe just you're gathered with a group of people in a, in a place and you're listening to us today you may be at the place right now where your relationship with Christ is, is costing you. And in the moment when we choose to do what we do, we define whether or not we are a consumer or we are a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. When I say a, when I say a consumer, what I'm saying is that, oh, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've been baptized. I go to church. I mean, I've, I've been to, to things like financial peace, and I went to that class that, um, you know, how, to, how, how I should live inside of my marriage, and I'm, I've been involved in a, in a small group. Man, listen, over the past six months, I've, I've enjoyed watching online services. I mean, it's been really good being able to watch online services, just sitting in my PJs and having a cup of coffee and some eggs, and, and I'm listening, and I'm, and I'm watching but, uh, but there's more. I mean, it's here just a couple of weeks. We're going to be back in this building to some extent. And I'm hoping that you've already signed up to do that. But how many of us are at the place in our Christian walk, in, our, in us being as a follower of Christ, we, all we're doing is consuming? See, because if we're going to take the next step in our relationship with Christ, this is what I know in the journey, there's a transition somewhere along the line that's going to have to take place. There's a transition from being a consumer of all the things that God has for me to being a follower, from enjoying the view from a distance to all of a sudden getting my hands dirty, from going to church to being the church, from being led, from learning from growing to all of a sudden taking that which I have, I have learned and how I have grown and all of a sudden beginning to feed others. See, it's not like it's just this one and done and I'm over and done with. It's not, it's not that way. But it's an ongoing decision that we must make in following Christ. It's this ongoing tension that we, ex, we experience in our life. A series of progressions that will cost us. You know, maybe you've declared Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, and, and maybe you believe, and you're a follower of Christ, and you've been baptized, and you're really serious about wanting to, to follow Jesus in every area of your life. 
What I'm saying is that as we grow and as we mature in, in Christ, there's always going to be a price attached. And it's that thought that I, I want to, to talk about today. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture that we happen to find in the New Testament. It's that, it's that thought that leads us to our fifth question. So I want you to write this down because this is a sort of an out-of-the-ordinary question, but it's a great question for us to be able to ask, especially today. And here is that question. You ready? Am I a follower or am I a consumer or am I, am I a follower of Christ? Am I a consumer or am I a follower of Christ? And, and here's the bottom line. Let me just shoot straight with you and get, man, I'm going to get to the summary really quickly. Here it is. You ready? Salvation is free. You know, what Jesus did for us on the cross, it's free. It's offered to us. It's, it's free. We just have to receive it. But at some point along the line, following Christ, following Jesus, is going to cost us something. Did, did you hear that? Salvation is free. Salvation is free. But at some point along the journey, following Jesus is going to cost us something. So with that being said, I want you to turn into the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, into the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, we want to be able to read today from Mark chapter 8. We're going to focus in, we're going to sort of tie in there in Mark chapter 8. This is, Mark is one of what we call the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the books of the Bible, the gospels that tell us about the life, the story of, of Jesus himself. And we're going to begin today in Mark chapter 8, verse 27. So I, I want you to make sure, I'd love for you to have out a device. Listen, I'd love for you to have a copy of God's word. It is so important to have a copy of God's Word, not just that device. But I want you to read with me today, and, and here it is. Jesus has just finished up restoring the sight of a blind man, and uh, after that healing, Jesus has left the area that he was at there in Bethsaida, and he is traveling with his disciples, so if you can sort of get that in your mind. Jesus is, is walking. I don't think they were riding a monorail. I don't think they were riding a train or on the airplane. They were probably walking along this little path. And here he is with his disciples, and Jesus engages them in a conversation. It was a conversation that involved, believe it or not, some questions. Some questions. Does that sound familiar? And this is what Mark recorded in reference to the story that he, that's at hand. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, read with me today as we read this. And so Mark records, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and they went up to the village near Caesarea Philippi. Well, Galilee was right there on the Sea of Galilee, and to the north of that was an area called Caesarea Philippi. A guy, a leader by the name of Philip, ended up naming that area um, Caesarea, and it ended up becoming known as Caesarea Philippi. Philip named it after the emperor Caesar, but the area became known as Caesarea Philippi. So here they are. They're traveling north to this area called Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along... Jesus asked them a question. Here's the question. Who do people say that I am? I can imagine this. You know, who, who do people say that I am, guys? I mean, we've been going at this thing now for a little bit. And, and guys, what, what's, what's the word on the street? What are you hearing? Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and then others say uh, you're one of the other prophets. So these were all people, men that had passed on, that had been gone. They believed in some of them believed. The pagans believed in reincarnation. So they're thinking maybe, well, Jesus is one of these guys that's come back, from, back to life from the dead. And then Jesus asked another question. Okay, guys, I, well, I hear what, you, what they say. 
But who, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I mean, I hear what everybody else is saying, but let's just not talk about everybody else. And Peter, there's always got to be one in the group. I mean, there's, there's always got to be one in the group that sort of, be, sort of seems to be the spokesperson. And so Peter, he, he pipes up, and Peter says, well, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. See, see Jesus, you're the one that we've been waiting for. You're the anointed one. You're, you are the Christ. And it says, but Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about him. Well, that's sort of odd. I mean, why would he, why would he say that? I mean, here it is. Jesus asked a question. They, Peter answered, you know, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that's come to save us from our sins. And they thought, you know, you know, here it is. And then Jesus says, but don't go tell anybody. That's so interesting. I wonder if Jesus knew, even though they knew him, they didn't know him. See, they knew him, but they didn't understand. They, they knew what they thought, but they didn't know what Jesus knew. Because Jesus knew, Jesus knew something that they didn't know. I mean, they're looking from their perspective. They're not looking from his perspective. And then, and then look what Jesus has to say in, in verse 30, 31. Mark records, it says, Then, after that time, you know, who, who do they say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus, look at what he says here. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders. Now I can imagine, I know who you are. You are the King of Kings. You man, you are the man. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes back with these statements about um, that the Son of Man must suffer terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the elders, the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law. And Jesus said that he would be killed, and, but three days later he would rise from the dead, just as he had talked about this so openly with his disciples. And, and look, at, look at what Peter, look what Peter said. Look what he did. So here's this conversation. <laughs> All these things are going to happen. And Peter says, hey, hey, listen, uh, Jesus, can, can we have a little conversation on the side? Uh, come over here for a second. And so Peter takes Jesus to the side and he began to reprimand him for saying such things. Hmm. So Jesus is asking them some questions about what they thought. Peter responds by saying, you are the one, the Messiah. Jesus said, hey, listen, don't tell anybody. But now that you know who I am, I want to tell you some things that you don't know. Some things that you aren't aware of. And he goes on to tell them about those days that would lie ahead and that fact that he would be killed and he would rise again. Well, it didn't sit so well with Peter, so he grabs Jesus, he takes him off to the side, and he says, let me talk to you. And he goes, Jesus, I don't know what in the world that you're talking about, but you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't keep talking like this. Oh, my goodness gracious. Look at what Jesus turns around and says there in verse 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. And here's what he said. Get away from me, Satan. Mm -mm. You talking about a slap in the face? 
You're talking about accountability and, and telling somebody, look, buddy, you need to back that horse up just a little bit. And what Jesus was saying, Peter, you're not thinking about things from my perspective. Because, see, listen, you're really thinking about things from your perspective. See, you, up until this time, you've only been thinking about the things that benefit you. See, see Peter, Peter wanted to serve and he wanted to be on the side of Jesus because Jesus was the king. He did not want to be on the side of the suffering servant of Jesus, the Savior, who would die for us. I mean, all of us want to be on the winning baseball team, right? I mean, none of us wants to, none of us wants to be on the losing team. But here's Jesus saying, mm -mm. hold on a second, buddy. See, there's a lot of stuff that you don't understand. Matter of fact, I, just off the cuff, talking about suffering servant, I want to take you back really quickly, and this is an inner notes. I'm just going to do this off the cuff this morning because I thought it would be good to go back and read it's just about what had been prophesied because here's Jesus talking about a prof, a prophesying, talking about some of the prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus, the suffering servant. This is what it has to say in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 and following. He said, he would be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows familiar with suffering. Listen, I don't see kingship in here anywhere. I mean, I don't see a throne here any place. I don't see people fanning fans and, and people bowing. I don't see that here, but I, I see despised, rejected men of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one who would hide, men would hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took upon us our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, afflicted. In verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us are like sheep. We have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Grasp this just for a second. Think about it. Peter. See, the reality is you're in this for Peter. Yeah, Peter, you're, you see, you're in this for Peter. Um, you, you had this what's in it for me attitude, a consumer. You weren't thinking about things from God's perspective and what would have to take place, but you're thinking about things from your own perspective, from a worldly perspective, from a temporary perspective. You aren't just thinking and wanting what you think. You just, you just want what benefits you. Jesus is saying, here, here you are, one of my closest friends. And after all the time that we've spent together, after all that you have experienced, and you still don't get it. See, you accepted the call and you made a decision that day on that sea to follow me. And you did that that day while we were fishing and, and, and while I was pulling in the fish and Peter, I just want you to know there's a whole lot more to our relationship than me just taking care of you and your needs and doing what you want me to do. But, but Peter, I want you to know that, that I have a purpose. And Peter I, Peter, I want you to know that I have a, I have a plan. And up until right now, this, this stuff has been going pretty smooth, pretty, pretty easy. But I want you to know the storms are fixing to come and the doubts are fixing to fly. 
And Peter, I want you to know that you're fixing to be stretched. Yeah. Our relationship, Peter, and what you think, is fixing to be challenged. See, up until this time, you're in the relationship out of convenience and comfort. But Peter, are you going to make it through the difficult times? Are you going to make it through the tough times that I'm talking to you about? Because what's getting ready to happen, Peter, is, man, our relationship's fixing to go to another level. And he goes on to say there in verse 34, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Okay, guys, come on. I want everybody to hear this. Everybody come in here for a second. Disciples, I just don't want you to hear this, but I want everybody to hear this. If any of you wants to be my follower, disciple, not a consumer, not a user, but a disciple. If anybody wants to be a follower, he says, if anybody wants to be a follower, you must give up your own way. In other words, if, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to say no to, to you. See, if, you, if you're going to want to follow me, you're going to have to say no to you. You're going to have to look in the mirror and you're going to have to say, uh-uh, no. I'm, but Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You're going to have to say no to self. From, from telling God what I want, I'm going to have to go saying, okay, God, what, what, what is it you want? What, what is it you want me to do? If any one of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your, what does he say? Take up your cross and follow me. I mean, now, when we talk about a cross, we've got in our mind what a cross is, and we think about steeples, and we think about hats and shirts and necklaces, and we think about, you know, Bibles, and we think about Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But that... See, that wasn't what they were thinking. See, see when, they, when they talked about the cross, it was totally different because they had saw. See, they had seen the cross at, at work. They had seen the penalty of the cross. They had seen people die on the cross. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, um, you will have to, if not literally, you will figuratively have to die. See, what a person would do is they would carry their cross to the place that they would be executed. See, the cross was a sign of submission to authority and to rule. And Peter thought Jesus, man, he thought Jesus would be a negative earlier. And now I wonder what in the world is he thinking? I mean... This is, I mean, it's almost like there's been this transition all of a sudden. Because now he's just not talking about himself dying, but now he's talking about those that are following him dying. And then Jesus makes a statement there in verse 35. If, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to your life. I mean, aren't most of us try, don't most of us try to hang on to our life? I mean, isn't that why we go to the doctor? Isn't that why we try to do things right? I mean, isn't that, I mean, just think about that. All of us want to hang on to our life. We, we want to control our calendars. We like to be in charge. I mean, who in the world wants to relinquish control of our, of our lives? But Jesus said, look, if, if you try to hang on to your life, what did he say? You're going to lose it. 
I, I don't know if you know this, but you can't hang on to your life anyway. 100% of us are going to die. Think about it. A hundred percent of us are going to die. I mean, there's no way around it. You know, they always say there's two things that are, that are inevitable. One is death. The other is taxes. Yeah. I mean, you can't stop that. The Bible says that the Lord is the one that numbers our days. It's going to take place at some point in time. It's a reality we cannot escape. And Jesus goes on, goes on to say, but if you will give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will save it. I mean, everybody that tries to hold on to their life, everyone that wants to hold on to their life, I mean, you'll save it for yourself, but eventually you're going to lose it. But then he says, but everyone who loses their life, whatever that may be to you, whoever says no, denies themselves, Jesus said something happens. Whoever loses their life in this life will gain their life. That here, if I'm, I'm trying to hang on to my life, I will only lose it. But if I'm willing to give it up, I will gain it. Make a lot of sense, does it? And then Jesus asked this question. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? I mean, what, it, what good does it do to gain everything that this world has to offer? Everything that's temporary, let you, let you lose what you should value the most, eternity. Imagine with me just for a second, perfect world, perfect life, perfect wife, perfect husband, perfect kids, I mean, perfect job, perfect house, everything's perfect. Till you get down to the place in life that you look over to the other side only to realize that even though you thought that you had everything here, I don't have anything there. I mean, I, I went from a place of having gained everything here, but in the process of gaining everything here, I'm looking on the other side, peering on the other side, only to realize that I don't have anything there. And this is what Jesus is saying. What good does it do to, to have everything there is in this life only to get to the end of this life to come to realize that you forfeited your soul? Hmm. I mean, regardless of how you look at it, regardless of what you think, I think most of us would agree that our time on earth is extremely small when it comes to being compared to eternity. Now, is Jesus talking about heaven and hell? I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. He doesn't say. But if we happen to think that there's more to this life than this life, I would think that the last thing that we want to do is to forfeit what's on the other side of our last breath. I mean, what in the world, what good does it do to gain everything here for that to be it and done? And then in the next statement, Jesus reveals something that until now, probably you've never not thought that much about. But if we take heart, what Jesus is getting ready to ask us, listen, it will change your life. And listen to what he asked. He asked the question, is there anything worth more than your soul? 
Can I say that again? That's the question he asked. Is there anything worth more than your soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? It's a pretty interesting question. I mean, how many of us would ever think about this? I mean, just think about you've got everything that there is in this world, in this hand that's temporary. And here you have everything that there is in this world that is eternal. And you, the question is asked, what in the world would I give to experience eternity, to have eternal life? And I'll tell you what it is. Everything that's in this hand when you're at that place. What would you do to save your soul? What would you exchange? The answer is everything. Everything. Here we are at the end of life, ready to take our last breath, in our mind replaying everything that's happened in the past, and somebody asks you, what would you be willing to give for what's on the other side? And you would say, everything. Everything. That house on the lake, that great job with all those positions, all those resources, all those vacations, what would you be willing to give? Everything. You know why? Man, the trade is a great trade. You know why? Because you're going to lose it all anyway. You can't take it with you. Impossible. I'd give up everything to make sure that everything over here was taken care of and was secure. But how many times do we spend all of our time over here trying to obtain and trying to secure resources that are only temporary, which the scripture has to say, which moth and rust destroy and thieves will break in and steal? How many times do we spend all of life trying to accumulate that which we can't take with us? Because at the end of this life, when we're getting ready to lose it all anyway, how many of us wouldn't be willing to push that button to say, boom, I'll give it all. I'll give it all. All that stuff that we thought at one point in time that was so vital and so important, all the, 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 the things that we spent so much time trying to acquire, to train, trying to maintain, and trying to hoard, what in the world would we do? We would give it all back in a second to redeem our soul. That's what we would do. Jesus goes on to say in verse 38, if anyone, and he's talking to the audience here, if anyone is ashamed of me, this is really interesting, ashamed of me, because in the book of 2 Timothy, we're going to see as we, as we move into a, um, a new series here in a few weeks, man, it must have been this issue of being ashamed of Jesus must have been a big deal because Paul addresses that with Timothy. Talks about don't be ashamed. I mean, I think about how many of us are we ashamed of our relationship with Christ? Jesus said, but if anybody is ashamed of me and my message, these adulterous and sinful days, that sounds pretty appropriate, doesn't it? The Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And Jesus is saying, look, I know that identifying with me may be painful and difficult at the moment that you're experiencing it. But don't be ashamed because one day there's going to be a day of judgment. And on that day, you're going to have to give an account of your life. And on that day, if you've been ashamed of me, 
I'd be ashamed of you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because whatever you exchange for my sake is an investment in the condition of your soul. Rejecting Christ now may, may help us escape the shame for the time being. But it is an investment in eternity. It will guarantee, if you reject Christ, it will be an investment, a guarantee of eternity and shame and suffering later on if you reject Christ. I mean, and you can picture Peter. I mean, here's the guy that spoke out. Here's the one. And he does it again. You know, he does it again. Um, <laughs> if you know anything about the story here, Jesus is getting ready to be arrested. And, and so Jesus is arrested that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And Peter would, you know, talk about, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I know I would never do anything like that, but it just didn't happen once. It just didn't happen twice, but it happened three times. And you know why Peter would deny Jesus? You know why Peter was ashamed of Jesus? It was because he was trying to hold on to something that he was going to lose anyway. That's why he denied Jesus. You know, it's very interesting. There's several stories in the Gospels that are told by everyone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That story is one that's recorded in every one of the Gospels. Peter's denial of Christ. Hmm. And this wasn't just Peter, the guy that showed up, you know, when he, when, he, when he didn't have a fishing trip planned. I mean, this wasn't just the guy that showed up when there wasn't a travel ball schedule and he had to be out of town with his kids. I mean, this is Peter. This is Peter, the leader in the early church. This is Peter that would blow it just like we have and we probably will. Let me tell you something about this time in Peter's life, though. It was a turning point. It was a turning point because Peter would eventually go from, okay, Jesus, this is what I want you to do. Okay, Jesus, you can't do this. Okay, Jesus, don't talk to us about this over here because I don't understand. But this is the same. This is the same person. What do I want? That he would eventually be transferred to the thought of, Jesus, what do you want? He would go from, okay, okay, Jesus, you can't tell us what to do, but this is what needs to happen to Jesus. What, what, is, it you, what is it you want from me? And I know that because I know how Peter would end up living, but I also know how Peter would end up dying. See, this gentleman would end up being crucified for his decision to follow Jesus because what we see is that even though our salvation is free, Following Jesus along the line is going to cost us something. See, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's free. It's, it's, a, it's the gift of salvation that's free. It's offered freely for us. And yet our relationship with Jesus is going to eventually cost us something. Man, which brings me to a question today. I got to ask it. I got to ask it. And I want you to think about it. How has your relationship with Jesus altered your life? 
Because, see, when we follow Christ, that's something that, there's something that happens. See, because when we follow Jesus, there are some changes that take place. When we follow Jesus, it, it moves us from being a consumer of, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? I'm going to live my life. And Jesus, you know, bless me, um, help me. Um, um, all these, all these, what are you going to do for me, Jesus? All this consumer mentality stuff. What's in it for me, Jesus? When we're a consumer, that's where it's at. But as we grow, there's something that takes place. There's something that takes place from, okay, this is what I want to God, what do you want? There's a story about Martin Luther with all the racial divide and divisiveness that's been going on as of late. There's a story about Martin Luther I thought was pretty interesting as he finished up his, his schooling in the Northeast. He had an opportunity to go back to the Southeast and, um, and to speak about the, the, the evils of racism. And... Uh, but he had the ability to go back and forth to speak about it in the South, but to go back to the safety of the North. But Martin Luther knew that he couldn't just talk about racism from a distance, and so he, moved, he would eventually move back, but that move back would cost, him, would cost him his life. Now, you may not have to physically die to become a follower of Jesus but I'll tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to die to self. And you, listen, you may love Jesus and you may have trusted Christ and you may love the Heritage family and, and you may have friends that go here and your kids love coming here. You know, you may even give or serve on a regular basis. Um, but this is what I know for you to take the next step from moving from a consumer to a follower of Christ. I'm going to tell you, be honest with you, man, it's, it, it costs. There's a price. There's a price. And uh, I, I know there's some of you that saying, look, I, man, I, I'm giving as much as I can give. I'm not talking financially, but I'm giving of my life. There, I just don't have anything else to give. And Jesus would say, hey, all that stuff that you're holding on to, your time and your resources, all of that, the things that you're so, you're so tightly holding on to and afraid to let go, Jesus would say, look, you're going to lose it anyway. You're going to lose it anyway. Every one of us are going to die from something. Every one of us are going to die from something, but how many of us are willing to die for something. You know, it's amazing some of the things that we've done in reference to this COVID virus. We, people are fearful and afraid of, of a COVID virus. Let me tell you, the virus can only take that which is temporary. That's all it can do. And I'm not saying, man, listen, we ought not be concerned because I believe we ought to be concerned. But that COVID virus can't take from us that which is eternal impossible and we will never know what is on the other side of our yes Lord until we're willing to take that first step and say yes Jesus I will we'll never know what's on the other side until we're willing to take that step of faith because salvation is free but if you're going to walk with Jesus 
and you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost us something. But let me say this right here. Refusing to follow Christ, it'll cost you everything. Everything. Would you bow your heads with me just for a second? And while your heads are bowed, I, you know, I, I don't know where you are in, in your relationship with Christ, and I don't know how this speaks to you. But there may be somebody that's listening to my voice that's never humbled themselves and came before the Lord and said, Jesus, man, I believe. I mean, there may be some of you that are consumer, that are consumer Christians. Man, look, you love coming to church and, and you like celebrating. You like great music and you like coming into a nice place. And I mean, your Christianity is, I mean, you will claim to be a Christ follower, but when it comes to, to having died to self, man, there's nothing that's farther than the truth. Because you're not in it for what, Jesus, what do you want me to do? It's all about, Jesus, what can you do for me? Would you be willing today just to say, Jesus, what are you trying to say to me? What is it you're, what is it you're trying to say to me that, that, that maybe I've never heard before? Maybe you're listening to my voice and you've never trusted Christ. Is this that moment that you would say, Jesus, I want to give my life? Right there where you are, you have the ability to pray and to ask Jesus to become Lord of your life. The Bible says that he, he, died, he died on that cross for our sins. I mean, it all can be summed up in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And right there, you have the ability to confess your sins, to say, man, I, I can't save myself, Jesus, but would you save me today? I believe. I believe. Right there where you are, you can pray. You can pray that prayer. I want to pray with you this morning, and then after I pray with you, I want to come back, and we want to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. But, but I'd like to pray with you because I, it wouldn't surprise me if there are some of you that are at some major life-changing, at a life-changing place, and, and, and you're having to make some really important decisions right now, and it's between, God, what do I want and what do you want? Father, I'm just asking today in the middle of our time that those of us that are followers of Jesus have claimed to be followers of Jesus today that we would ask, Lord, is there something else that you're asking of me? Is there something else you want me to do? Am I being a consumer? Am I truly a follower of Christ? For the person today that may be with us, Lord, that's listening, that, that if that if that have said, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to give my life to Christ, even today, Lord, would you save them? I pray that, that, Lord, right now that they would recognize that you're God and they would pray to receive and to trust and to obey you. And, though, Lord, they wouldn't be ashamed, but they'd want other people to know. Thank you, Father, for the sacrifice that you gave and that you gave the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today and for the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As Travis plays for us today, as we think about the ultimate sacrifice, you know, there may be some of you that, that you need to text us, and there may be something you want to tell us in reference to a decision in your life, and I want to tell you, you can text us right there at 352-358-7770, just the word decision, text the word decision to that text, that text number. If there's a decision that you want to make, maybe it's in reference to baptism, maybe the Lord was speaking to some of you in reference to baptism. You've Man, you said you want to follow Christ, but you've never been baptized. There may be others of you that have said, listen, I've never trusted Jesus until this morning. 
you text us there so that we can get some information and respond to you. But we want to go into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a time that we remember. In the Old Testament, we're such forgetful people. So in the Old Testament, the Lord established a way that the people of God, that the Israelite people would have a way of remembering his faithfulness and his goodness through memorials and celebrations and, and festivals. But it was in the New Testament that Jesus himself, Jesus himself said, I, I want to give you something that you guys never forget, my love for you. I want, I want to give you something that you can always do in remembrance of me. And it was that night in an upper room when Jesus would take some bread, just like I have here on this table, and he would break that bread and he would tell them that his body was getting ready to be broken and he would be bruised and he would be given as a, as a sacrifice for our sins. And a little bit later in the time that night, as they were sitting around in that, in that room, Jesus would take the, that, that wine, that drink, and he would, he would hold it up and he would say, Jesus, uh, guys, I want you to understand that this, this drink, this wine represents my my blood that will be shed for you. And, and, and Jesus instituted that so that we would, it would be a remembrance of the sacrifice that he would give for our lives. And as sometimes people say, well, they get, you know, well, who can participate in the Lord's Supper? And the, and the answer to that is anybody that has made Jesus order their life. Those of us that have said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. But Paul in his teachings, and Miss Allison made reference to this a little bit earlier, Paul in his teachings, he, he said for us to examine ourselves as he was talking to the church at Corinth. He said, before you partake of the Lord's Supper, it's a good time for you to examine your life, to go before the life and just say, man, am I living the way I need to be living? Is there something in my life, is there sins in my life that I need to go before the Lord and confess? Is there discontentment in my, in my, in my life? Am I at odds with another person? Do I, need to, do I need to go to somebody and do I need to ask forgiveness? And before we partake of the Lord's Supper, as you guys are sitting around by yourself or with a group of people, before you would take, partake of the Lord's Supper, um, I want us to do what Paul, Paul asked us to do, and that's to examine our lives. So there will be a moment of silence, a, a time of, of quietness. And, and, um, and so can we just do that? Can there be just a moment of silence, a period of silence for maybe 30 seconds or so, and then I'll come back and, and we'll finish our, our partaking of the Lord's Supper. We receive our instructions today from, from Paul as he, in his teaching. And this is what Paul said in reference uh, to the bread as he, as he took the bread. Paul said, For I received from the Lord, which also I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. And do this in remembrance of me. And he took the bread. 
And in the same way, a little bit later on, Paul said that after supper that he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, and do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. It reminds us of what Jesus did, that he became the sacrificial lamb. It not would be repeated over and over and over again, but it was done once and for all, for all of us. And Paul went on to say that whenever we eat the bread and when we drink the cup, we are to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Because listen, one day Jesus is coming back. One day he's coming back. And the scripture says that the Lord is going to return and the responsibility for those of us that are believers is to be faithful. Faithful and active in carrying out the gospel and being on mission every day leading up until that time that Jesus comes. And I love what, what would be recorded in the book of Acts. It talks about um, the fact that those early believers, they fellowshiped and, and they hung out together. And that's one of the great things about the Omni next week is that, is that time of us being able to fellowship and hang out together. And it, it says they studied the word together. Man, and they prayed together and they ministered to one another. Man, I send you out today, and man, I challenge you to go out, not and live as religious people who are consumers, what's in it for me? But man, I send you out as God's people to go and be the church. Not to just be caught up in doing more church and more religious things, but I send you out to be ambassadors for Jesus. Go and make a difference. Jesus, would you use us? May we be your hands and feet in this community in which we live May we live out a legacy of faith. May we be willing to ask that question daily, if not moment by moment. God, am I just being a consumer or am I truly being a follower of Jesus? Because salvation is free. It's free. But if we're going to follow you, eventually, it'll cost us. It'll cost us. In Jesus' name, amen.